Welcome to Eye on the Illini. This is Illini guy Mike Kegley here with Illini guy Brad Sturdy, fellow co-host of the Illini guy Sports Spectacular. And of course, we've got uh, Kedrick Prince, director of recruiting for Illini guys and Illini staff writer Matt Stevens. Uh, big day today as the Illini return to the bowl scene, playing in the ReliaQuest Bowl against Mississippi State. Um, Brad, any uh, any particular uh, things that kind of lead off in your mind as uh, Brett Bielema uh, goes to uh, yet another bowl and continues his, um, you know, demonstration of, of what he can do as a coach? Well, I think it's great. It's great to be in this game there. It's a, basically a New Year's bowl game um you know even new year's day bowl game it's uh it's a it's a fun sec opponent i mean it's gonna be all kinds of fun although i i think that they're the road team because uh because you know the pirate and the buccaneer so you've got mike leach and uh in 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 uh, tampa but i i i do think it's an interesting matchup too i mean from a stylistic standpoint i mean you've got mike leach who wants to throw it all over the field and i mean they throw it a lot i think yep. they're 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 top they're 17th in the country in pass yards per game, um, but they don't run the ball very much. Now, although he likes to make people one-dimensional, well, they just say we're going to be one-dimensional, so let's go. And uh, so it's uh, it, it'll be interesting there. But I will say that I don't feel like they have a you know they're a defense that gives up some points too. So um, I, I think it's going to be fun to see if Illinois can run the football, control the clock, take them, keep them off the field, and do some things. It's, it's a great matchup. Um, you know, now it comes down to who's going to play in this game, like which, which guys are going to play for each team. So. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that is, that is the magic question, Matt, what were your initial thoughts, especially with, uh, you know, your past history of covering uh, sec football. My uh, first thought was I'm going to have to go find my earplugs for the cowbells that I'm going to hear on January 2nd. That's going to be fun. Um, uh, the artificial <laughs> makers are a thing in Starkville, trust me, and they will travel to, to Tampa. Um, uh, imagine like a thousand cicadas going off all at once yeah. while you're trying to have a football game. It, 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 it Yeah, the, the earplugs will be needed. Um, and I think Brad laid it out really well. It's a, it's a like if, you, if this was a boxing match, you'd love it because it's a complete contrast of styles, right? Mike Leach is in the, in the air raid, um, and then Brett Bielema trying to go after that three, three, five defense that, that start uh, that Mississippi state goes through. Um, yeah. I think Mississippi state gives up points straight because every defensive coordinator for Mike Leach is going to give up points because they're going to be on the mm-hmm. field like 80% of the time. Right. I mean, the, the funny yep. part about it is, is that you've got a matchup here. That's interesting to me where you've got two of the youngest, one of the youngest, most prolific defensive coordinators in the country going um, against each other. Cause Zach Arnett had a chance to be at, Oregon at Texas and, and LSU last year and in, in interviews and decided to stay at Mississippi state last year. He was, a, he's a hot commodity as a defensive coordinator because everybody kind of knows that if you can survive mentally and emotionally as a defensive coordinator and working for Mike Leach, you can probably do it at a big time level. Um, and then Ryan Walters, obviously again, 36 years old is, is doing wonders for that Illinois defense that will probably arrive in Tampa as the number one defense in terms of scoring um, in the country. Um, so there's a, there's a chance that, you know, you could see some, some which guy is going to be able to play the best chess on defense. Um, and, and 
because because Zach Zach Arnett plays a three three five style, and I just don't know how that's going to work against Brett Bielema when he wants to run it, you know, the way that he wants to run it eighty percent of the time and, and and control the clock and control a game that way. And I don't know how aggressive Ryan Walters is going to be able to get with the air raid system coming at him, you know, ninety five percent of the time um, with Leach. So. Uh, the one thing I, I, I think it's a great matchup. I think Will Rogers is one of the most prolific quarterbacks in the Southeastern conference. He's going to have a heck of a defense staring at him at Illinois. And, um, you know, you've got some guys on this Illinois team that were on, the, were in that game in 2019, the last time they were in a bowl game, but they not only lost and they got a bad taste in their mouth, but they, they didn't get a whole lot of preparation and they didn't get a whole lot of, uh, um, you know, good feelings some good vibes coming out of that game. Only because, you know, they lost the game. They didn't get a whole lot of preparation because they were so banged up at the end of that year. Some of the veterans like Paucho were telling me, and then they they had the COVID thing happen, so they couldn't even get the momentum off of that bowl season. Um, you can feel the momentum in the building, you know, as, as the coaches now tonight go out to recruit. Um, and they're going to recruit off of this Jan 1 bowl game. And, and you know, and, and you can see the momentum of the program being built when you're able to accept a, 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 a bowl like this, I've made the argument, we'll get into this later probably, but I've made the argument that today was the moment for Illinois, whatever they do in the bowl game is probably regardless in my mind, today is the moment you celebrate because you're playing a game in January. And I, I, I talked to a, like three players today, Tyreek Barnes, one said, we wrote on the board once we we want to be playing in January. And, and they accomplished that today by, by being able to accept this, this bowl invitation. I really, really like the, for me, the contrast in styles. I mean, like, you know, I know you both just mentioned that, but I want to point out, um, we all know how good of a defensive coordinator Ryan Walters is. And, you know, we know that Mississippi State wants to throw the ball all over the field. But let's think about this. Ryan Walters is really good at um, adjusting and making um, teams pay week to week. This guy's going to have over 25, 30 days to have an opportunity to make some adjustments and to be prepared for it, even though it's different, you know, it's a different style. But also, you know, there's teams in the Big Ten that throw it as well. So, and I don't want to leave out what's important. I think Brad mentioned was who's going to play in the game. I, I, I definitely think that that matters. Um, the other thing that caught my eye was, you know, we, you know, obviously we all work together and we have a group chat going. And one of the topics that we talked about was, was it going to be Tennessee or was it going to be Florida? So now my another concern for me is, you know, how well will the fans travel? You know, I think that's an important part of it. There's a lot of alumni down in Florida to begin with and closer, you know, down there. But how many people actually make that trip to to do it? I, you know, I'm not going to pretend that this is an issue, but, you know, there were fans who had a hard time coming to Champaign driving three hours. So I would love to see them, you know, come out and support the team and, you know, if you you love Illinois, if you love Illinois athletics, I mean, they're not playing, you know, December, you know, 23rd when it's freezing out in New York or, you know, or Detroit. Your team is playing January 2nd in Florida, which is prime time for bowl games. And this isn't just a short-term fix. It's also going to help recruiting. So, you know, and they're out. They're out recruiting. And, I mean, you're going to get – you're going to hear kids. And they have a good product to sell now. So, the whole athletic department, I think, is just looking up, and I'm just really, really excited to see how this is going to play out. I've not seen a spread yet. I was just looking before we started this podcast, so I'm kind of curious to see what the big boys think. Yeah, you know, you brought up a lot of great points uh, between all three of you. Um, 
you know, Brad, the whole question of who is going to play is one that is a, a big deal, obviously, in these bowl games. I'm going to come out and say that that as I look at it, I've always kind of felt like, you know, I can understand why a player would would might want to avoid it, you know, based on their pro potential. Um, what are your thoughts on this subject? Because I, I see a lot of uh, varying opinions from uh, fans and experts, et cetera, about about this. I get it first people not playing. I mean, I get it if you're like, like, I don't know, like, and I'm sure he'll play, but what does Bryce Young have to prove at Alabama, you know, for his game? You know, yeah. there are certain guys like that. I mean, you know, the Heisman will be decided. You'll have, you know, he's already won that. He's, you know, he's going to be a top five pick in the draft. You don't want to hurt your stock by getting injured. I get that. Um, but I, I think most of these guys, if you're going to be a, a fourth, fifth round pick, maybe you have the game of your life and and you get noticed. I mean, I don't know. And and then you're just part of a. It's part of a team. Like I would never, personally, I would never sit out a bowl game, even if I was going to be a number one pick, because that's just me. That's my personality. But I also get guys who are looking for the bag at the end, and that that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But I mean, I, I understand that mindset too. But you know, I just have a different mindset. I'm like, you know, maybe that's because I'm a coach too. So I'm like, hey, we're all going to play. Doesn't matter what happens. So. Matt, what are your thoughts? Because, you know, you had the opportunity to see this from a couple different schools. Yeah, I, I, I look at specifically like, like, let's just talk about the elephant in the room, Devin Witherspoon, right? And Illinois would love to have him in as a cornerback against this Mississippi State team, trust me. Um, uh, I look at two things. I look at Devin Witherspoon potentially being projected as a first or second round pick and and – I heard Nick Saban the other night on Fox talk about his guys wanting to elevate, you know, their draft stock and having one more opportunity to do that. That goes two ways though. Nick doesn't talk about how that goes two ways. You could, you could see it drop and you could see it drop significantly if they get hurt. I keep thinking in my head about Jalen Smith when he got hurt at Notre Dame and he's never been the player since. And he was going to be a top five pick and ever that, that stadium was silent when he got carried off the field because um, they knew how big of a deal that was. I, I, I feel for Devin Witherspoon, who's probably staring at his knee and the scar on his knee after he was out for, you know, he had he had knee surgery after, you know, fall camp, blowing his knee out early in his career. Um, I'm sure he stares at that scar on his knee and goes, boy, I can't have that happen to me again. You know, and, and you, you put your you put your body and you, you know, you put you put your livelihood essentially at that point on the line you know, in every game that you play. And, um, you know, I, I get the point that he was trying to make today, but I fundamentally disagree with Brett Bielema when he was trying to make the comparison that he was talking to his guys apparently and just said, well, would you have played in the Big Ten Championship game or would you have sat that game out too? And I get the argument he's trying to make. And all the guys were like, no, we would have played in that game. Well, yeah, and, and nobody's going to sit out a playoff game. You know, nobody's going to sit out a CFP game. But the rest of these, I swear to you guys, are, are glorified exhibition games in my head. And maybe I'm thinking about this differently because I don't coach. But, you know, go ask somebody who, you know, who won the Cotton Bowl last year. You know, go ask somebody who won the Alamo Bowl last year. Go ask somebody who won the Birmingham Bowl last year. And, um, you know, a lot of these games are exhibition games so that ESPN has stuff to put on during, during the Christmas season. Um, and they're hell, trust me, look at the ratings of these games. People watch them. Trust me. Don't think that people don't watch them and that they're not entertaining as hell, but, um, 
but for guys like Devin Witherspoon individually, they may not mean that much. And, you know, he has a chance to go out and get hurt and, and, you know, significantly hurt his draft stock. So um, I think it's a catch 22. I think if you're Chase Brown and you don't know where you're going to get drafted and you go for 300 in this game, you know, you're going to get talked about, you know, and there's a lot of guys that come out of bowl games and they get talked about Mel Kuyper talks all the time about, how well you did in this bowl game, because this was a new game that you had to play against a defense that was prepping for you, you know, and he talks about it a lot with quarterbacks. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of things that they have to weigh. And I talked to Tarek Barnes, you know, tonight about maybe trying to nudge Devin Witherspoon to play. And, and to his credit, I think the guys, even at their age and at this new generation, they understand. Cause the first thing he said to me was, yeah, we'd really like for him to play, but we're here to we're here to support him 100%, whatever he decides to do. Because the fact of the matter is, is that come April, when Devin Witherspoon gets drafted in the second round at worst, you know, just like when Kirby Joseph got drafted in the third round, this helps Illinois' program. That's going to be a great day for Illinois football too. So um, I hope Devin plays if, he, if, if that's what he thinks is best for him and he wants to do. Um, but – I, I think uh, I think he's going to make a smart decision having talked with him a couple of times because he's going to have a lot of smart people in his ear trying to help him with that decision. When you, you know, you look at it, I'm looking at, I guess, from this standpoint, you know, and I'm not just passing the buck. It it could be I, I, I care because you want to see great football. You want to see the best players on the field. Like, you know, we talked, you know, off the air, you know, I get it why a kid doesn't want to play. I mean, you have a chance to become a millionaire, then you get hurt, you know, because you want to be a selfish person to watch them play. Uh, I certainly can't, you know, give them a million dollars to play. So I, I totally understand that. I do think there's a difference between bowl games and senior games. And I really do believe that. And here's why I say that. Um, I think in bowl games, I think it matters. But if you're if you're playing some of those glorified senior bowl games, I, I you know, I guess, and if you're on the borderline of, you know, being drafted, yes, and I agree with you, Matt. It probably could help your stock, and it could, you know, raise your level, you know, and on the draft boards. But I also don't want to take out the fact that if you have a good person, agent, lawyer in your corner, if they're good at their job, they talk to teams and know where you're going to get drafted, you don't have to play. But if you know you need to be out there and they're saying, hey, we're concerned about this, we, you know, like let's just say, for example, you know, we talk about Spoon and we know how good he's going to be in the draft. But, you know what, it'd be nice to say, hey, you know what, now we want to see you play against a pass offense that's going to be throwing the ball 70% of the time. How well are you going to do? So it, it, it goes both ways. And there's no magic answer. And anybody faulting these kids for, like Brad mentioned, to chase the money, you're crazy because if it was your kid, and you had a chance to become a millionaire, and then you hurt your leg or your shoulder or anything like that, ankle, it could be career-ending. And I don't want to see that happen to any kid. And as many bowl games as there are, we know somebody's going to get hurt. What team, I don't know, and I'm not wishing that, but you know it's going to happen. It's just the nature of the game. It's a very physical sport. Hey, when when you talk about losing draft stock, I'm going to tell you right now, you know why Nick Saban isn't worried about his kids losing their draft stock by the way they play in a bowl game because he wouldn't have recruited them if they thought they were going to lose their draft stock by playing in a bowl game or have it go down. If you're a guy thinking I'm going to lose stock in a bowl game because I'm going to get exposed, then you're not the you you should play because you're not good enough. You got the wrong mentality. 
injury, I, I, I think, is a legit one for me. But if you're worried about your stock going down, if Devin Witherspoon is worried about it, he should be saying, look, I'm going to shut down their number one receiver, and I'm going to get a pick, and, and I'm going to be the, be the man. Because, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Just for me, that's my mentality. You know, not that I'd shut anybody down. I'd give up like 10,000 yards receiving because I'd get hurt after the first time they cut one way. <laughs> but, 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 but no, I, I mean, I think that should be his mentality. I think it is. I think that they have that. So, but if it's injury, I get it. I mean, I, I, I understand if football's a violent game, man, it's not like playing, you know, baseball or softball or something like that, where, you know, if you don't get hit with the ball, you're probably going to be okay. Yeah. The, the question I have, Brad, and you can tell me if I'm absolutely nuts, but you is are. there, yeah, oh, exactly. I don't even need, oh, you meant you need me the question. Yeah. Um, but is there going to be like a subset of the NIL world that pays these players to show up for bowl games so that, uh, you, the, that works out? Well, yeah, I mean, there is, and think about this. What are you going to do when a guy doesn't show up? Because he isn't getting his NIL money or something like that. What's the first time guy? I'm not getting, you know what? I'm not playing until I get this. I haven't gotten all my stuff. You know, it's going to happen and it's going to happen in a regular season game. You're going to have a big 10 conference game and you're going to have a guy who's going to say, you know what? I'm not playing because I haven't gotten my check yet. Uh, It's going to, we're just, it's just the tip of the iceberg here. And that's when we're going to say, all right, we need to figure this out. Cause we need changes. And that's what Brad Underwood has said that multiple times. We're in a little window where these guys are making bank. It's going to change a little bit going forward because it's not sustainable long-term. And what we're going to see is we're going to see a, where they're going to get paid, but it's going to be more of an, uh, they're going to get paid like t- to play. They're going to get paid to, you know, salaries and they're going to get paid. If they go to a bowl game, maybe they get more for a playoff game or more for this or more for that less for this bowl game, but still get paid. That's what you're going to see down the road. Now, I think that's that's a more realistic scenario. So it's seen. But yeah, you're right, Mike. There's going to be somebody say, "Hey, we need this guy to play." They're going to some maybe in Alabama, you know, and usually not for a. I, I don't know because Alabama might be looking at it like we don't really care. Let's see our backup guy play in this bowl game. We don't right. care if Bryce Young plays, right. you know. But and maybe Illinois. Illinois doesn't probably have their quarterback for next year on campus, so it's a little different mindset i and tommy devito is going to play i mean i guarantee that i mean you know there's no doubt about that so yeah i, I think it's 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 fun to it's fun to talk about though so if devin okay. withers if devin, devin witherspoon has a uh you know an, a, a uh a temporary illini guys tattoo on his forehead that you can see during the game you'll know what happened <laughs> we're gonna get him a illini guys headband there you go, Devin. Let's Jim McMahon it and have him wear the Illini guys headband. Like there we are, the Illini guys headband, and 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 we can we can make a whole new subplot. How, how, so Devin, but, if you're listening, give us a call. How, how long till they're wearing stickers on their jerseys too? I mean, it's just. I, sure. yeah. I, I agree. Look, I agree 100 with what Sturdy said. The, my my thought on stock going down is is based off of injury. It's not based off of not playing well. It's based off of like Jalen Smith seeing his stock just plummet because he lost damn near all of his leg you know in in, in that bowl yeah. game. um yeah, it's, that was bad it's what devin witherspoon did in like preseason camp like if he does that in a bowl game guess what he can't go to can't go to the combine he can't go to the the pro day workouts he can't work out for any teams at that point he's cost himself money 
if Devin Witherspoon, I promise you, I've talked to that kid numerous times. He is not worried about going to that bowl game and not playing well. That is not how he's wired. If you've ever seen him play football at all on television, that is not how he's wired. And and for a Florida kid like like Devin Witherspoon, you're damn right he wants to play in this game and show out and 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 do everything that he does, including run. He doesn't just run with his feet. Let's just put it that way. Um, and, and the way that the way that the way that he he's operates, he wants to play in this game. The competitor in him wants to play in this game. He's just going to have, I believe, a lot of smart people in his ear. And the and the final thing, I'll, the final pin I'll put in this for me is that I do believe his head football coach is going to be one of those smart people in his ear, trying to do what's best for Devin Witherspoon. And I know that's going to bother some Illinois fans, but I, that's just the way that Brett Bielema operates. I think he wants what's best for Devin Witherspoon because at the end of the day, like I said before, if Devin Witherspoon shows out and gets a high draft pick, Brett Bielema knows that that not only helped Devin Witherspoon, which is the most important thing, but it helped Illinois football too. And it helped me. And and, and that's, that's going to be a good day too. So um, again, I don't know if when we're covering, you know, spring practice, a lot of Illinois fans are going to have to like, instantly know, Hey, how, what was the score of that, of that rely quest bowl against Mississippi state, you know, by that time, you know, I, coaches talk about momentum all the time. By that time, I think we're going to be talking about, you know, how good the 2023 team is going to be. So Brett Bielema kind of knows this is an exhibition game. I have 100% confidence that that head coach and that coaching staff, including Aaron Henry, his position coach will be in his ear and make the best decision for Devin Witherspoon. I a hundred percent believe that 100%. You know, something else I want to add just real quick. You know, Brad mentioned, you know, this NIO situation. I could see it happening. I had one of my friends, he's a lawyer and he's into numbers. He made a comment to me that there's like little birds flying around with this NIL money where these kids are going to have to perform to play. If you don't perform, you don't get money. You're throwing money out to all these kids and stuff and, and then they're not performing. So, and you know, we can all name kids on our, in every program. So I know that's another angle that they're going to take. And also, like you mentioned, you could give them a bonus for playing in the bowl game because at the end of the day, green is green. It doesn't matter whether it comes from the college institution <laughs> or, or from the NFL. It is what it is. That's yeah. already happening. Like, yep. if anybody wants to go on our message boards right now in Illini, guys, and pay the subscription fee and 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 do all that, I highly encourage it. You will see me refer to it as pay for play every single time. I have never referred to it as NIL because that's exactly what it is now. Like, kids, I mean, I can't be more interested. And I, this is a great question for for uh, for Mike Farrell, like later on in life. But I cannot wait for the amount of kids off that A&M 2022 recruiting class that didn't get everything that they were offered and everything that they were promised. And I can't wait to see how many of those kids go in the portal. Like, well, you're hopefully they weren't that. promised victories. Well, I know, wait, no, no kidding, right? Um, no. They, where, they, where, where, what, what bowl game did they make? They, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. Jimbo's toilet bowl. That's the bowl game. They, they, they promised them vacation in December. And they got it. I'll be damned if they didn't get they're, it. They're in the first annual Illini Guys Bowl, which does not exist. <laughs> that would be Mike Cagley's toilet bowl. Like, and so, like, and so, no, like, they, that's a I good idea, wait. though. The Illini Guys Bowl. Maybe we oh, should God. go there. Oh, God. Sponsored by Kohler. Um, <laughs> they, uh, they, I, I, uh, I cannot wait for the amount of kids that literally say, and I, this will happen when the, when the portal opens on Monday, the amount of kids that said, I'm in the portal because I didn't get what I was, what I was promised last year. Like, yeah, it will happen. Sure. It will absolutely happen. And, and 
So yeah, it is pay for play already. It's already happening. Don't, don't kid yourself. Like, Hey, and the other side of this, don't, don't be shocked. And we've already seen that like with Penn state, they just had a first round draft pick declare he's coming back next year. Right. Because they're going to throw money at these guys. I mean, we talk about what recruits are getting, but and I'm, let's pick an Illinois guy who could come back. Let's say like a basketball. Let's say a basketball player, for example. Yeah, I mean, how about Kofi Coburn could have come back, right? He could have maybe come Tanner back and Tanner made could, a lot of money. Terry Shannon has another year, but if you know, and, and I don't, if if a guy's going to be a first round draft pick, start to get to your second tra- go. But yeah. how about football though? There's a couple guys on that defensive line that are like big name players. And one of them, you know, probably going to be a, you know, second day pick, I would guess maybe both. And, and they have an opportunity to come back play another year. And I think if the money's right, you could see that happening. And that changes. How much does that change the perspective on Illinois next year? If you bring back, you know, a Johnny Newton or a Keith Randolph yeah. or both Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph, that's a totally game changer, right? I mean, so you're going to see NIL totally change the way, you know, everybody looks at this, this stuff. And it's what, what kids look at too, because if I can get money, guaranteed money to come back and play, whether I go out, I might as well take that money while I can, because the NFL is still going to be there. But if I'm not, but if I'm a first round draft pick and I'm going to make that kind of money, I just go. Yeah, get to people, my second contract. And people don't understand that where you're dra- like, for instance, it may be worth when you add total compensation for a guy who's going to go, let's say in the fifth round, it may be well worth it for him to take some NIL money and bump himself up the next year to the second round in terms of that contract, that, that can be a massive amount of money. And if you can earn some dollars while you are playing college and moving your way up the draft, that may make a lot of sense for a lot of players. You know, I asked Brett Bielema to, in the bowl press conference because I knew he was going to go on the road about how he felt about the I called it the NIL war chest that he had to work with. So, so you didn't you 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 didn't say pay for play. I don't pay for I don't say pay for play in this in, in front of somebody that could get in trouble by addressing it as pay for play. <laughs> no. um, I do it on my own. Um, okay. <laughs> All right. I didn't think he understood the answer to the question. And I think he absolutely understood the answer to the question. Now, going back to what Sturdy said, like if I evaluate it based off of what Sturdy said, I asked him about NIL and what he's going to do in the portal and how confident he is he can recruit the portal with what NIL and what he has. And he kind of answered it in the way of, yeah, I think there's an opportunity to get a lot of my guys NIL opportunities like over the next few months. And to a certain extent, I think he did point out, he was pointing out, you know, subconsciously that there are a lot of partners at a lot of law firms that could probably pass the hat around and get a lot of money for Keith Randolph and Johnny Newton and have them stay at Illinois. And if that's the strategy that Brett Bielen was going with, boy, howdy, like it's a hell of a strategy because those guys are already making leaps and strides and, and, and already productive members of your team that you want to have back. It's not a question as to whether or not they're going to come in and be productive. You know, yep, exactly. They've already, done it. They've already done it. You're investing in the guys that have already produced for you. And that's, that's how Brett Bielema, at least publicly is looking at NIL and by God, it might be the right way to go if you're Illinois right now. And so that, that's a, that's a good way to put, put it. And I think 
over the next month as Illinois begins these bowl practices that they're going to have. I think that's going to be a conversation that happens with a bunch of the veterans that are sitting there watching the younger guys practice um, as they get prepared for this ReliaQuest Bowl. Well, as a as a business owner, too, if you're going to, you know, what's the better odds that you're going to be able that that if you invest your hard earned money in NIL funds is is, uh, you know, Newton and Randolph going to do a better job of of representing and getting you some some potential business as opposed to, you know, uh, John Cade Doe and, and somebody. The name. Yeah, like Cade McNamara, a quarterback and a person you've never met. Yeah, yeah, I mean, or, or you know, that type of thing. So, I mean, there's there's some real opportunities there. Now, Brad, I wanted to go to get your thoughts because you've done some coaching and uh, you've done it in a lot of different sports. What is it good? What is it going to be for? What is it going to be like for um, uh, Mississippi State's offensive coordinator? He's going to look at Ryan Walters, but but they really haven't played against teams that have thrown the ball almost 600 times in a season. So they're look. They know obviously passing situations, et cetera. But you know, is is that going to hamstring? Um, you know, Mississippi State, or are they just going to do the, well, I know what I do well and just focus on that? Well, I think it's both. I, I think you're going to, what you're going to try and figure out is what, you know, what kind of blitz packages Walters is going to use, whether he's going to be able to rush for. You know, at the end of the season, there were a lot of games against the passing situations. They're rushing three, dropping eight in a lot yep. of those situations. And that changes the way you're going to attack things. So, you know, I think that's what they're looking for. They're going to look for tendencies of how they how they line up. If they line up in this formation, are they blitzing? What are they running? Where the blitz come from? Um, now, here's the thing. You know what Ryan Walters is going to do? Over the next month, they're going to put in new packages, and they're going to have situations where we're going to have a different corner blitz, a different safety blitz, a different you know different and a different alignment to set up that blitz because that's what good coaches do to try and counteract that. And you know, I, so I I think it's always a great chess match. The one thing that Illinois has has had over the course of the season is their defensive backfield is really good. And so that gives you a huge advantage against throwing teams. But it allows them also, because they have good DBs, that's why they were able to stop the run too, is because they don't have to commit to, you know, they can, they don't have to worry about Devin Witherspoon getting beat over the top. They yep. can they can bring Sidney Brown up there. You know, that I, I think the bigger issue has been like worrying about maybe tight ends and things like that. But, you know, the, again, they, they have the right, they can they can stop passing attacks. Now you'll see them also. Walter's probably gonna play more nickel coverage and dime coverage than they played all year because they'll have to against that passing attack. So you're gonna see a different, you know, we're gonna we might see three three five instead of three four four, right? And so you're gonna see more of those packages. And uh, you know, and it depends on you know, you may see I could see Sydney playing linebacker, you know, Sydney Brown playing linebacker some in this game because of the way that that Mississippi State plays. So it's going to, like I say, it's going to be a fun chess match. Big thing for me is Illinois just has to score. I, I think they have score. I mean, you know, you, you're going to score against this team. I don't care how good your defense is because yeah. Mississippi State will put up some points here and there. Now they could have a bad day or whatever, but you know, it happens. And, but I also think they could, the defense can score. I think they'll get some picks. I know Mississippi State's only thrown like, what, seven interceptions all season or something like that. But I think Illinois will, uh, get them into some situations where they throw a pick here and there. And yeah, maybe they'll, maybe they'll score off that. It won't be like the Northwestern quarterback. Let's put it that way. They're not going to just have them handed hand, hand delivered touchdowns like Northwestern did, but it, but I still think they can create some havoc. 
Matt, thoughts on that? Well, the offensive coordinator at Mississippi State is the Pirate. It is yes. likely. You've seen him on the sideline. It's it's an interesting dichotomy because Red Bealan has talked about Ryan Walters and his call sheet being like on a note card. Like it's not complicated, right? They don't run a whole bunch of stuff. Mike Leach's call sheet is, again, on a note card. They don't run a lot of stuff. They just have a lot of intricacies off of what they run, you know, and, and, and I hope that makes sense for people. But there's there's a lot of timing and there's a lot of flow and feel between quarterback and receiver in what Mike Leach runs. Um, there's a lot of freedom within the wide receivers. There's a lot of there's a lot of trust in the quarterback that he will throw it to an area. Accuracy is different under Mike Leach than it is under practically everybody else. It's the thing about the air raid. You're throwing to a spot. You're not throwing to a receiver, an open receiver, right? So um, Brad's absolutely right. I think Ryan Walters is going to have to come up with some things. I also think this is going to possibly frustrate some Illinois fans because you're going to hear, hey, why aren't they getting pressure on the quarterback? The reason you're not, they're not going to get pressure on the quarterback all that often is because Mike Leach dictates that the ball get out of there within about two and a half seconds. And so what's going to be really interesting is if Ryan, if Ryan Walters wants to pressure in order to like force a decision, not so much maybe even get a sack, you know, they, they want the ball to go out, you know, well, they want Will Rogers to throw the ball when he doesn't want to throw it. They want Will Rogers to have to move in the pocket, not necessarily sack him, but have maybe move laterally. That's that's going to be the matchup there. I, I feel like um, Walters is going to have to figure out a way to 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 slow down this offense. Um, the good news and the other thing that they're going to have to watch, and they did a really they've done a really really good job with this at Michigan and at Northwestern. I feel like Illinois is going to have to play a lot of guys, especially on that side of the ball. Why? Because Mississippi State likes to run 85, 90 plays in a game. If you're Ryan Walters and you, you, you're, you're, your bread and butter is the guys up front, statistically they can't hang for like 85, 90 plays. You're going to have to build up your depth and you're going to have to count on some guys later, you know, you know deep, deep down in your depth chart to help you out for 15, 20 plays in this thing, just simply from a conditioning standpoint, right? Um, but if you flip it, like I said, the contrast in styles is beautiful because Zach Arnett runs that 3-3-5 defense. I promise you they're going to have to have more than six guys in the box, otherwise Brett Dillon <laughs> was going to run the football, right? And yeah. and do it with big people and do it all day long. And Zach Arnett's going to have to figure out a way to get off the field too, because when you play Mike Leach, guess what? They, they are going to have 80, 90 second drives and your defense is going to be right back on the field. Right. And Brett Bielema is going to have to figure out a way to have long, you know, physically exhausting drives for this Mississippi state defense and have his big guys absolutely sit on these Mississippi state um, front seven and front six guys um, in order, in order to have success. So Brad's right. Illinois is going to have to score, but they're going to have to score in their way. And I, I do think uh, the last thing I'll say is I, I do think Barry Lunny, we've talked all year long about how Barry Lunny is still trying to get used to these big 10 defenses. Guess what? He gets an sec defense again. He knows how to work them, you know, and, and quite frankly, he, he, he knows how to work a three, three, five, because a lot of these guys in the sec, they run that three, four system. Um, and so he's going to have a lot of opportunities to, to figure out how to go back to the old, you know, Arkansas bag of tricks that he and Brett worked with you know, back in the day and, and figure out how that offense can work there too. So, um, there's ways for both teams to score here, but I think it's going to be really pivotal on, on January 2nd, which defense can get off the field because if the defense can get off the field, um, they're going to be 
The one that can get off the field the most is going to be the least tired. Haha. Uh-huh. Yeah, of course, obviously. But they're go- they're they're basically going to have to not go as deep into the depth chart. And I think that's going to be a pivotal part in this defense is how many plays are being run on both sides of the ball and which defense is going to be basically like, you know, holding their arms down by their hips by about the second quarter, third quarter. Because if you see that, I think that's the team that's going to win the football game. Well, my thing is – Go ahead, Ken. I'm sorry. I'll be quick. Just off Max and O's standpoint, if I'm looking at it, I would do it from a coaching standpoint. The Illinois two losses – because I don't think the Michigan loss was a loss, even though I'm being (laughs) stupid about it. And it it is on ESPN right now. They show the top ten plays that were – the determining uh, the college playoff, that pick play was one of the ones. So I'm going to say the two losses, I look at how Illinois got beat. And one way that I think the Illinois got, I think they struggle is the tight end and the screen pass. That has to be defended from a coaching standpoint. I look at that. I would say, hey, what did they do? How did they make adjustments? And we know the tight end and the screen pass, and that was Michigan State did it, Purdue did a little bit, and Iowa wore Illinois out with the, with the tight end. So now I don't know if that's what Mississippi State's going to do, but if I would, from a coaching standpoint, that's what I, w- I would look at. What Illinois also needs to do, I think, is this time to start the game, it would definitely be 60-40 pass to me run because Chase is going to be able to run the ball. I really do think so. But And I think we all talked about Brett Bielema's style of football, if the defense doesn't want to wear out, then they better make sure that they can use ball control and run the clock and run clock to keep this defense off the field because it is going to be a track meet. Sorry, Brett. No, I was going to say, I, I, I don't even know what I was going to say now, kid. No, they got <laughs> nine. Uh, Mississippi State has nine guys who've had, who've had at least 23 receptions or more. So, I mean, they, they're going to spread it around. So it's, Gonna be lift, a lot of their screens are going to be like wide receiver screens, uh, and so it's going to be a little bit different there. The interesting thing about the sacks for Michigan, Miss Matt made a really good point. They don't allow very many sacks, like maybe two a game, and they had one game where they get a bunch. When they get sacked, though, it's usually because the quarterback's like running around for his life, like trying to make a play late, and they usually lose about 10 yards per They average like 10 yards lost per sack. It isn't like I'm staying in the pocket for four or five seconds, and then I get it. It's like the first read wasn't open. Now I'm going to run around in circles trying to find another guy. You know what I mean? So on like a third and third and long because they they, they they took away the first read or second read or whatever. So it's it's fun to look at those little X and O things and how that shakes out. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because they got four guys or five guys that are over 40 pass receptions. I also noticed that they four games they were they scored less than 19 points. They lost all of them. Um, and two of those, Kentucky and Alabama sacked them four times. Um, LSU yes. and, and Georgia. That's a only... third of their sacks. Exactly. Right and then LSU and yeah, and, and LSU and Georgia, Georgia with their defense, each of those teams only sacked them once. So this team presents a lot of uh, challenges. So I don't want to go too far into this because we're going to have other podcasts coming up. We wanted to give you a little bit of a preview, but I have to go around now. I have to go around and ask you, Brad, you got the CFP top four. What are your thoughts? Cause I know it was semi-controversial and and of course, Nick Saban was on with, uh, on the, somehow Fox decided to let Nick Saban come on their broadcast and, and speechify, but, um, I didn't see, 
I didn't see anybody allowing, you know, Ryan Day or the TCU coach to go on the uh, other broadcast on CBS to cry and whine. What are your thoughts on this? Nick Saban's becoming the Coach K of college football in that, you know, it's like a, like, it's almost like he has to be on, they have to have him on TV. It's all about him. His last year when he retires, they're going to give him chair. It'll be interesting. No, um, here's the, I I don't think Saban would do that. I think Saban's just going to one day say, I quit and he's going to walk off into the sunset. Let's hope so. Um, But, but here's the way I, I look at that. I think they got the right four teams, the four most deserving teams. Do I think they're the four best teams? No. I don't. I don't think they are the four best teams, but I think they're the four teams that should be in the playoff. And do I think Ohio State should be three and TCU four? I do. I think Ohio State should be three. But you know what? I think that they didn't want to have the Big Ten, Big Ten matchup in the semifinal. And and honestly, the only team that hurts, in my opinion, it probably hurts. It helps Michigan because I think they got a much easier draw against TCU. Yep. And it hurts Georgia because I'm telling you what, from a talent standpoint, Ohio State can compete with anybody with those, especially if they start getting guys back who have been dinged up and they get yes. healthy. They're really good. I mean, they got, I mean I, Ohio State, there was a reason that all year long, Ohio State has been ranked one and two. I mean, three, one, two, three with Alabama. They were considered to be one of the three most talented teams in, in the country. And that's a tough draw for Georgia. I, I really, I'm not saying they're going to lose or anything. I think they could, but I, I think that's a tough draw for Georgia. I think Ohio State will give them uh, – it'll be a good semifinal game. And and you can see that because they're, Georgia's – the one seed over four is a touchdown favorite right now. And um, it, it hasn't moved since the line came out. And the other side, you'll see Michigan actually started off with – I think they were nine and a half. So they've got even a bigger margin over the three than that. So, yeah, it's, I think it's fun. I, but I think they got the right four teams. Matt? I agree with Brad. I think they got the right four teams. I think they got the right, I think they got the wrong order. Um, Boo Kerrigan sat up there at that show today, which took, which obviously takes way too long, by the way. Thank you a lot, worldwide leader. Yeah. Um, Isn't it still going on? Is it ever in? (laughs) You know, yeah, it'll be going on until like what the New Year's Eve, apparently. Like they just, it just continues to keep going. Um, he sat up there today and literally this is the whole thing I always have with like the tournament selection committee chair when he sits up there and lies, he lied today. Like he either lied or it's professional malpractice today, what they did in that room. Cause he said in the, the, the in the committee room, it was never mentioned how they tried to avoid the rematch between Michigan and Ohio state. That's either a lie or it's professional malpractice on those 13 people's part. Um, and my guess is, is that even if it doesn't mentioned in the room, which I find it hard to believe, but let's assume that, they, that it never was subconsciously, you had a bunch of people in that room trying to trying to not do it in their own head, like didn't think that that was the right thing to do. But Brad's right. If you're Georgia and you're number one, I ought to be playing the fourth best team. I shouldn't be playing a team that's ranked number four because they, you got the seating wrong. Right. And, and so what is the other than playing in Atlanta? What is the benefit for Georgia to be number one if we're going to do this the right way, right? This is why I think the basketball committee does it the right way. They see it and then they go, oh, yeah, cool. That's kind of what we did. That's fun. Like, I mean, I, I do believe having gone through the the thing with Lenardi in the offseason, like the storylines kind of just they kind of go up there and they go, oh, yeah, that was fun. That, that'll, that'll be fun, right? Um, this tournament committee, because there's only four teams, 
they try to manipulate it a whole bunch and 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 to try to have some sort of and then i also think that this this particular committee wanted to have some simulants between what they did last week and what they did this week and i think that that's total horse you know total horse crap like excuse my language but like the last rankings are the only ones that matter. The rest of them are done for television purposes so that ESPN can fill an hour of programming. Like, so, um, yeah, I think, I think TCU is the fourth best team of those four and they should be playing Georgia and Michigan and Ohio state should be playing again. Um, it's, it's a, it's a referendum on the idea that we only have four too, by the way, because this isn't really a brilliant, even really a problem if we have more than four and in two years we will, but no, I thought they got the right four teams. I think even Nick Saban on Fox, didn't believe what he was saying during halftime of the big 10 championship game. I think he was told by his boss, Greg Byrne to go do it. Um, and then at the end of the day, cause he's talking about like, you know, analytics and like betting lines. And I'm like, I've heard you rail against analytics and betting lines, sir. Like, don't, don't, don't do that. Like, come on. Um, but no, I think they got the right four teams. I think they got the wrong order and the order matters because you're trying to crown a champion. And if you're Georgia, I want the easiest path if I'm the number one seed, and I don't think they got it. Um, I I like the four teams too. I'm not going to, you know, sit and drag this out because with the same thing that they said, but just a couple quick brief comments. I would love to see the Big Ten play each other. That way, you make sure you get a national champion. I think the Big Ten is a great conference, and I think it's been overlooked. And I think it's time that they get a champion. Um, Sometimes you're never going to get it right, but I think this year, this is the one year that I don't think a lot of people are complaining about the four teams that are in because it's hard to do that. I mean, those teams are deserving. You know, Alabama, you know, if, if you lose, I mean, that's what happens. And let's be honest. I mean, like Brad mentioned, I mean, I was really, really hoping Ohio State got in because they were number one, number two all year. And they deserved it. And from an, I would love to see that track meet. I can't wait to see that track meet between Georgia and Ohio State because I do believe that is the one team in college football that I think could, who could go toe to toe with Georgia. Yeah, and and I have a, a little bit of a different thing. First off, I am shocked that the bowl committee allowed the championship game to potentially be Ohio State and Michigan. I really thought they would just be an ESPN and knowing that the Big Ten is going to be a Fox Sports property, I thought they would have those two play at rank number two and number three so that so that they couldn't be in the championship and have the championship game all about the Big Ten. So, but they may have utter confidence in in Georgia and and that's fine. But that's that's how I saw it. I also thought the funniest circumstance that could possibly happen is if Ohio State upsets Georgia, TCU upsets Michigan, Ohio State takes the national title. All these Buckeye fans are, are going to be all upset because they didn't beat Michigan. And I've already heard a couple of them tell me, it's like, yeah, I know. Will it really count? We didn't beat Michigan. And it, it would put Ryan Day in a really nice position where he's got a national title and then everybody's got a yeah, but against him. So I think, I think that's just only Ohio state could that happen, but um, it's just funny. I, that comes from the, the personal life of having a couple very close friends who are huge, huge Ohio state guys. So um, I bet Ryan Day, if that does happen, I bet you take a couple of shots at Mr. Khaki pants guy. Cause I can tell you what <laughs> I can see, I can see that happening. 
Well, Mr. Khaki Pants has won the battle so far because he's beaten him twice in a row now. And he's thrown the grenade in the room about, you know, being born on third base and and thinking you hit a triple. Um, uh, there's a lot of Ohio State people now that are looking at Ryan Day's resume going, maybe Harbaugh's right. That's a genius move that you don't see out of old khaki pants very often. Brad, looks like you want to say something. No, I I think Khaki Pants has has really won the uh, since he got that um, con like demotion basically the the decrease in his salary he's a different guy. I mean he has changed the way he's not as arrogant. He's maybe more, but he's like he's he's more involved like in, in what he's doing. He understood that I've got to be more involved. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And he understood that beating Ohio State is what wins Michigan season. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, that's the reality. And, and he is, man, I tell you what, back-to-back college football playoffs for a guy who they were ready to fire three years ago. It's pretty, pretty impressive. I mean, cause usually guys, once they hit that level where you're going to, you're almost fired, it's not very often they come back. You know what I mean? Yep. Like it's, yep. it's usually once you, it's hard to recover from that. And he's actually done a good job of, of, if you think about it, how did he win at Stanford? Well, he just made him the biggest bully on the block. And then he did the same thing, you know, at, at San Francisco. And now the funny thing is, is this year, the last two years, you know, they've only been physically beaten by two teams, one last year in the CFP and by the Illini this year. You know, that was the only two teams that really out his team and I got to assume that he's going to do everything in this CFP game to make sure that Michigan's the bully when it comes to playing Georgia, Matt. Especially on that pick play. They're really good blocking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mike, you're throwing red meat to me because I, I really want to, you know, remind Kendrick Prince that the only two teams that finished undefeated this year played, you know, big boy football and ran the ball and controlled the line of scrimmage and <laughs> played real American football. Um, but the one thing I will say is I know we're not supposed to, or I guess, I guess. You just couldn't help yourself, man. God, <laughs> no, I couldn't. I couldn't. <laughs> There's four teams in the playoff. Two of them play football. The other two don't. Um, and, but I, I, I know we're not supposed to, I guess, cheer against the, uh, the big 10 teams, but I'll tell you what, I know coach Brad Sturdy well enough to know that Max Duggan, he can play for him. Like that's the, that's, that may be his number one pick. I watched that entire big 12 championship game and that kid, that kid's guts and that kid's leadership. And that, that kid's just want to was, was screaming out of my television. And I, I want to root for that kid. I really, really do. After what, after what he's put together and, and what he tried to do on Saturday afternoon for that TCU team, that kid could play for Brad Sturdy. He could probably play for a million coaches across the country with what he showed on Saturday. I have an opening. I would take him on any team that I'm coaching right now. Although as a, I don't know if he'd pass for an 18 and under girl, but, um, <laughs> but you, you, I would you take your I'd still take him. I'll take my chances. Yeah. And, and I, I, I think um, this is, I, I, again, this is intriguing. You know, some years you have better intrigue in the matchups this year. You've got, you know, the underdog TCU versus the overcat Michigan. You've got the Georgia, Ohio State, you know, two two of the blue bloods going at each other. Um, it's going to be a great bowl season. So I'm going to go around the horn here. We've covered a ton of topics, 
but I want to let our uh, uh, subscribers and our listeners, you know, get on with their day. Brad, any final things that that we should that you want to add that we didn't talk about or anything else? Uh, see you new. I'll see you New Year's Eve in Tampa. I'll be down there for that, um, and then through the bowl game, obviously, and um, should be a should be a lot of fun. I, I really think um, this should be a, a game where Illinois. Um, has a chance to show what they can do and on, on a national stage against a national opponent, SEC opponent. So I, I think it's fun. I mean, this is a program that, I mean, just think about where we were two years ago and you yeah. just look how far we've come. Great. I, I, it's really great for this program. And I, I'm excited to be, to just be a small part of it. Matt. I'm excited for the Bielema family. Jen gets to go home to her hometown of Tampa um, for a long, long time to uh, experience her first bowl game as the wife of the head coach of the University of Illinois. Um, and and I, I think that Illinois fans get a shot, another shot at the Southeastern Conference. Brad Bielema talked about this program being 0-3 in bowl games against the Southeastern Conference. Um, you get another shot on January 2nd. Um, and and I think that's that's gonna be a that's gonna be a thing that that gets uh that gets kind of revolved day after day, especially when this team arrives on on January on sorry. December 26th, the day after Christmas in Tampa, I think they're going to remind everybody, Hey, we don't have a win against the sec in a bowl game. That's going to be huge. And, and when Brett Bielema beats a big time opponent in a bowl game, he usually has some nice choice words about it. So um, I think it's going to be an exciting matchup for Illini fans and, and for everybody in the Tampa area, because I, I think that Tam- I think the Relia quest bowl wanted these two teams because these two fan bases are pretty passionate and look, Cowboy Nation's going to, you know, Cowbell Nation's going to travel um, from Stark Vegas. And, and I think you're going to have to match that excitement if you're an Illinois fan. And we're going to see on January 2nd if you can do it. My thing is, um, fans who are listening to this podcast, I'm really, really trying to convince you that you should subscribe to IlliniGuys.com. Uh, this is going to be a great month. You know, um, we all do a very good job of coverage. There's going to be a lot of, um, uh, press conferences, recruiting, transfer portal. This is great. Second comment, enjoy this. Illinois football has been, it's been awful. I'm not going to, you know, like Matt always said, we're going to dress the elephant in the room. This is a chance for you to get on the national stage and enjoy this because every year, if you're a fan, you just have to sit there. And I don't know how many tweets I've gotten over the years, and I'm sure the three of you have people who are saying, gosh, which Illinois could be there. Enjoy it. You know, I, I really, I really, really, truly wish, and I hope people go to the game. And lastly, really, really happy. I'm going to pat my own self on the back because I thought it was a great hire, and I love the fact that Illinois is trending up. This is not going to be a, a one of those years where, like in 2019, you go to a bowl game and then you get beat by 700 points the next year by a certain teams. So I'm just really, really excited for the program. And don't take it for granted because it's not promised to you tomorrow, man. This is just a great, great time to be involved in Illinois athletics. And good job to the football players as well and families. So with that, we're going to kind of wrap this show up. But let me uh, tell you, of course, Tuesday night, Illinois plays Texas, Madison Square Garden. Sturdy's going to be there. We will uh, obviously have coverage on IlliniGuys.com. We will also have a podcast that will have uh, Brad in the heart of New York. Hopefully uh, he'll be safe and uh, full of uh, New York style pizza as he uh, broadcasts there uh, live from the Big Apple. So please be 
be checking your podcast feed. Stay subscribed to IlliniGuys.com. That's what powers this whole thing. $99 for one year. It's the best money you will ever spend if you are an Illini fan. Uh, book that. And uh, the sooner you get it, Ked's right, with the transfer portal news, there is going to be rumors, innuendo, and all sorts of things floating around. The basketball program is hitting a uh, high spot here as uh, the team really looks to be building uh, what we hope is a Final Four contender. Um, and, of course, we have the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular. That's our weekly radio show. Please go ahead and listen to that, IlliniGuys.com. Hit the radio button to see what station is closest to you. Find the day and find the time. Tune us in and listen to us. And, of course, we have our other podcasts, uh, the Eye on the Illini is what you're listening to here. We have Sturdy for 30, the award-winning uh, flagship of the, of the uh, franchise. And then we have Keds Recruiting Roundup. So do not miss those at all. So thank you, everyone. And stay tuned because there is going to be a lot of coverage. And if you want to see it all, IlliniGuys.com is the only place to be, whether you live in Champaign or Chicago, halfway across the country or halfway across the world, IlliniGuys.com keeps you in the know. Go Illini.